0: Well, it's wonderful to be here with you and uh, to have this weekend with the uh, young adults. Great time with them. What why they wanted me to come, I don't remember being a young adult. <laughs> but it, we had a wonderful time with them and the Lord seemed to really do some wonderful things, so I'm very grateful for that. But also, Lord, I mean, to be with, to, together with, uh, you know, uh, Razney been unbelievably dear friends for many, many decades. And, and of course watching Ezel go through this whole period uh, within her life over these years and on one hand you know with Paul says we grieve but not as though that have no hope you know on one hand you know when we when, when we're away from one another like this uh, and and we're separated uh, there's a sorrow there is a grief about it in fact sometimes I think Christians grieve more than anybody almost in one sense because we love more uh, we're closer to, we have greater affection and involvement with each other's lives. And, and when we lose them, there's a grief, but it's not a hopeless grief. That's the, the wonderful thing. The world loses people and, it's a, and they have no hope. Where, where are they? Will I ever see them again? And uh, there it's, it's a hopeless grief, but to realize that's not true with us and we will all be reunited and what a wonderful thing. And uh, that will be, we can't even comprehend how wonderful be, so. Uh, And so the whole family, Zach and Amanda, Amanda, I mean, just everything. We're just grateful for this weekend to be with you all. This morning, if you would, turn with me to Romans chapter five. And I wanna take a look about halfway through the chapter at uh, uh, sin, a little study on sin that I hope is a great blessing, actually, and a benefit. We usually don't think that topic is a wonderful one. Well, it could be and should be. I'm going to begin reading in verse 12 of Romans 5. Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, but so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For under the law sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law, but nevertheless death reigned from Adam and Moses, even to them that had not sinned under the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was a figure of him that was to come but not as was the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense uh, of one, many be dead, well, much more, the grace of God, the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask that as we look at it today, that you would teach us, Lord, something that would help us in our life, in our walk. and we would walk out and say, Lord, it was a blessing. To hear from your word, to hear from you that your Holy Spirit would speak to every one of us, some word that would strengthen and help and guide us, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here in Romans, Paul talks a lot about God's love. And, the, and he talks so much about his love and how great his love for us is in the world, and what he is that what that love has, has done for us, in God's plan for us. He also makes it very clear that God's love for us is not because there's anything innately within us that is deserving of it, because there's any reason that you know, for God to love us on our side, or as if God owes us anything whatsoever, he doesn't at all. Uh, but at the same time, he has chosen to love us and, and, and with an incredible love. And not only is that, Paul wants us to know there that his whole desire is not only to love us and to forgive us and to one day take us to heaven, but that we will be actually taken to heaven in in a way that we're conformed to his image. We will be in his likeness. To me, I'd just be thrilled to be a fly on the wall in heaven, just get me there, just to to go to heaven, just to be there, I'll do anything in heaven just if I could go. But that is not how the Lord will have it. Far more than that, I'll be conformed to his image, I'll be clothed in his righteousness. Paul actually says that we have access into this grace wherein we stand. That word access, it's a wonderful Greek word, is prosagogue. It's where we get the word protocol, but it means to be introduced as royalty. Could you imagine being taken to heaven and hear Jesus Christ, not only my mediator who says I'm forgiven, who says, Father, forgive him, let him come to heaven, I've, I've forgiven them, and so they get to come? No, far more than that, we will actually be introduced as royalty to heaven, Father. Look at my work of redemption. Look at who they are. Look at how total, how complete. Everything that Adam once was and forfeited in sin, it's all fully restored. What we created in the beginnings in the image of God, here he is, here she is, the absolute image, reflecting entirely who we are, sharing our lives with us as royalty, and join here with Christ. That's what we'll have, that's what he has. But at the same time, he makes it very clear, we didn't warrant it, there was no reason for that, that that, that he owed us that. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us earlier in this very same chapter, he says, for when we were without strength, when we were sinners, he tells us uh, there, that when we were ungodly, and even worse than that, he says, for for when we were enemies, Verse 10 of chapter 5, he says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Well, to think to one day here, all right, I I was without strength. All right, I was ungodly. All right, I was a sinner. I, I get all that. But he said, oh, you were actually an enemy. You were an enemy of the state. You were an enemy of God. You lived your life all by yourself. You wanted nobody to rule over you. When you came into the world there, it was all I, me, my, myself, I want, I'll have, the Adamic fallen nature. That's an absolute rebellion to heaven. Now, I don't wanna to listen to a mother or a father or an adult or anybody, nobody's gonna run my life. That's our nature, that's the, you know, the, uh, the fallen human nature that we all came in with, that we all have within us. It's still there, uh, within us there. The, 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 it must be right, it's me, it's what I want, so I'll have it. And God looks at that. He says, "You're an enemy of the things of heaven. That's not what heaven is. That's not what the throne of God is like." And here, I don't want anybody to rule over me, let alone God. But here, at the same time, while that is all true, yet He still chose us. Uh, he still has this glorious plan. He still has heaven there out there for me. He see it's all set. It's all done. It's already set in stone in the most incredible way. There for me. It's established. And yet, at the same time, if that is really true, which it is. Then my question is, if I am loved, I am accepted, I am forgiven, I am going to be conformed, why in the process on this spiritual journey towards heaven am I having so many battles? Why is it so difficult? Why are there constantly these struggles going on in my heart and under my skin that still suggests nothing has really changed within me? I'm still, you know, a mess. And here Paul explains some things to us that I think are very, very enlightening. He says, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. And you know, and I think in one sense, we all kind of know it, but I don't know if we'd know it how well. But here he tells us very simply, he says, well, the problem, first of all, in verse 12, he says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Here Paul tells, he says, I'll tell you what the problem is. Sin entered, sin entered, it came in, it came into the world. And when it came into the world, we can't even comprehend ultimately what it did. Their God had created something so beautiful, so serene, we can't even imagine the Garden of Eden. We can't even imagine their God's creation, unflawed, un- uh, unwrecked, <laughs> undestroyed, you know, just the magnificence of what it, 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 it was. We can't even dream of it. We all love that. One of the things that you know, we, we love something there where man hasn't ruined it. We live in cities and we get getting our cars and we drive down the road and we drive on concrete and we, there's cement walls everywhere and there's noise and barriers and things. So often we just dream, where would you wanna go for a vacation or something? We just dream of something so serene. I wanna go where man hasn't touched anything. I wanna go where there's natural beauty or something. Some years ago when I was actually, we were doing a conference on the East Coast and a number of us, we were taken on this private yacht On this beautiful cruise, they had this whole crew on five star meals on this thing. And we're taken out by the Bahamas. And here, you know, I mean, we'd get on these jet skis and, you know, and we'd go snorkeling. And there was some place, some famous tunnel where you could go in. They made movies out of it. You snorkel into it, and, and it's just, you put only all, all this beautiful sea life the colors, the beauty, the coral, untouched. And one time the crew went in on the shore and they made this whole, like, five star meal for us on the white sand, just white sand beach. This, you know, the rippled, nobody living on the island, just an island with just beauty on it, just growth. And you're just sitting there, just, I want to stay here, you know. Would you please just keep bringing? me food here or, you know, to stay in. But I mean, we just dream of that. And yet the Bible says, "I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. They're just revealed little glimpses of a spirit, the Bible says, little thoughts of it sometimes. But to think one day you'll get to heaven and you will be in a place that is so far beyond anything any eye has ever seen. Nowhere has ever, never has entered into the heart of man. I've been to Buckingham Palace, pretty fancy. Maybe some of you have been to Versailles. You've been to some of these estates that are just, you know, worth billions or something. The beauty is magnificent. But nobody's going to get to heaven and say, yeah, well, this is nice, but you remember Versailles? Oh, man, that was a killer. No. there will, When you get to heaven, you will look at the—Versailles will have been like an outhouse. It will have been a dung, a trash heap. You'll say, man, what a dump that place was. I mean, the real last time, we laugh, but that's, that's, you will get there. And the, the Bible says we get there, that there, will be, there will be silence, the Bible says, in heaven for a half hour. Can you imagine that I mean, being absolutely speechless for 30 minutes? Now, a lot of people think that that's the reason, that that's proof that there won't be any women in heaven. I don't believe that. But, <laughs> no, that's just, <laughs> I don't care what you think of me. I'm getting on a plane in a while and leaving. But anyway, <laughs> But I mean to think of something so magnificent. But that God says, that's what I have yet out there for you. Well, if all that's true and that's where I'm going and that's what you're going to do, why? Why is, why, why do we going through this? What's going on there? And here he just says, well, first of all, he says, you got to realize sin entered. Sin entered. And, and he says, on that awful day, on that awful one event, that condition, it occurred, what happened it was what the Bible calls the fall of man. Without all, that, all of the world's problems stem from every problem on the, in, in all of the world is rooted right there, economical, political, social, moral, physical, health, famine, pestilence, pick a topic, everything that is wrong, everything that has happened, everything, medical, every, just pick anything crime, drugs, all of it, all of it goes right back. Sin entered. Verse 14 says, by Adam's transgression. Verse 15 says, the offense. Verse 19 says, by one man's disobedience. There's no way to minimize this problem. There's no way to reduce it to anything there. That and that alone. Out of that came all of the problems of all of history. Take away sin and history is ecstasy, is glorious beyond dreams and beyond any any creature ever. But that changed everything. And I think sometimes as Christians, we ourselves fail to recognize that, that simple fact, that all of the problems in the world, all of them, they all go back to that. And and all the, the cures that we think, sometimes even ourselves, that we need to have to fix it. They're all nothing, you know, but you know, but, but, it, it, but sin entered, and, and once that entered, it's, it, it's like a cancer. It's something there, like, it, you know, and, and when it is, it's like you don't want to just put a band aid on a cancerous wound. It's you know, something there that is so deeply rooted. You know, you have just been through something in your church where years ago you watched sin entered, you know, or cancer entered. Take the word sin out, but a cancer. Take a human body and cancer entered. And then next thing you know, I mean, when cancer entered, entered. and you watch these progressions as you fight and you go back and forth to try to deal with it, but then it has a way within it. You know, wherever it may enter, but next thing you know, it can get in the blood system, it gets to the bones, can get to the brain, can get to the spleen, get to the liver, get to the kidneys, get to every anything. And then one day what happens, once it has entered, it is devastating. You know what? What now occurs? What now? You know, happens with it. We have a very, very dear friend of ours got liver cancer, and of course they, they come along and do chemotherapy and then some radiation and all these other things. And they hey, okay, we, we, it's it's in regression. We got some good news here, kind of, in things. But then, but then they watch and watch and oh, now it's moved here and now it's over there and now another attack, another way to deal with it, another. You, you, Cure something another way to kind of deal with it. New set of radiation or a chemo there or whatever else. And they kind of go back and forth and we've watched them. And then finally here they're doing, doing a bunch of studies and work and going through things to get on a, a cancer, li- I and mean on a liver transplant list. And here they're working their way all the way through this and they're down and then a team meets to now evaluate whether they actually, I guess you get an evaluation of whether you're actually put on the list. But now the team, when they all meet, they come back and they tell them we're sorry. We know all you've been through, and you've tried so hard to get on this and done everything, but at the same time, it's our job to tell you, you can't. You can't, if, because if we put a perfect litter within you, the rest of your body can't take it, and the cancer is in other places. And they basically told him, he says, go home. They basically said, "You know, do anything you want to do for the next maybe year, year and a half. But you're going to die. And here, you know, I mean, what happens? But, but it enter, something enters. And when you watch that, and you've watched it here so closely and been around, but it's, it's something there that once it is, uh, it, it, it has a place. A devastating result. You're, you're, you know, we're told there that, that once that gets that place, uh, and, and once it, you know, does its thing, it is so devastating. Verse 18 says, By one man's offense all died. You know, by one man's offense uh, to hear judgment, it says it came upon all men. First Corinthians 15, says that Paul says in Adam, all die, all die. The Bible makes it very clear that this is the fundamental issue in all of life, all of it. And we may sit there and say, that's not fair. That is not fair. I wasn't there. Why do I have to suffer the consequences for somebody that lived thousands of years ago and and I had no part in it and now I am suffering the consequences of that? And and, there's something there that we can contemplate it, we can argue about it, we can talk about fairness or unfairness, but the Bible says, period, that happened. And it happened upon all men. You know, the thing is, God created us there as people in his image there to reflect him and to share his life and and, and let him fill us. But at the same time, he also created us as an entity that what we are gets passed on to others and shared with others. And here, if somebody, you know, I mean, how many people do we know that they they can get caught up in, in, as a drug addict, and get caught in this, and the next thing you know, they have a child, and now they have a child that's addicted the day they were born. You say, That's not fair. That's not fair. That isn't right, that shouldn't happen, well it does. We can argue and think all the things about it, but once sin enters, there it is. And Paul looks there and he says, that is what has happened to all of the world. But he doesn't just simply say sin entered. In verse 20, he then writes and he says, moreover, he says, the law entered, and by that one offense is his might abound, but where sin abounded now he looks there and he says now sin not only entered but he says now the consequence of once sin has entered it now abounded it now took off now it progressed now it began to move all the way through the system something there you know and he and when he explains there that sin had abound he says earlier he he talks about adam he says people were sinners all the way from adam to moses There, he says, but when here, when the law came and Moses came, sin abounded. And that, what it means is that actually the word abounded there means it came on stage with, it's kind of like in contrast to men were always sinners, but now when Moses came and the law came, now we realized what huge sinners we were. Because here what happened when Moses showed up the law, the 10 commandments, and he laid this, and he says, by the way, folks. You want to know how bad you are. You want to know how bad the cancer is. You don't want to know how how flagrant it is. This is what you once were naturally. You once naturally, you loved the Lord your God. You had no other gods before him, nothing. You had no idol. You had no image. You had nothing that you ever dreamed, ever wanted more than him. You enjoyed him. You enjoyed the Sabbath with him. And not only did you share his life and he lived within you, but there was no hatred, there was no murder, there was no adultery, there was no fornication, there was no corruption. You didn't want to. You loved every. It was incredible. You were once this. And now all of a sudden sin abounds. I was once this. Yes. You will be again. You can be again. But yes, you were. You were flawless, you were perfect, and it was wonderful. You walked with Adam. The Bible said Adam walked with God in the cool of the garden. Can you imagine that? Just walking there and God just walking just together, just as natural as anything. He was your father, he's your creator, no big deal. Not far, not distant, not unknowable, not some judge off where, not only there, somebody, some creative genius. No, he was your fellow. You shared life, it was glorious. Is that what you're made to be? That's what you were made to have, but, but, but what happened is not only when sin came in, now it abounded, now it has this way, it grows. Not that the law made anybody any worse, it just showed how bad we were, how far we have deteriorated, what it is that's wrong, what it is that, is, that, that, that has happened. And the next thing you know, the disease, it, it progresses. It goes just from entering and then it, and, and then it begins abounding. You know, just like, you know, a virus comes along or, a, you know, COVID. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't even know what that was. But anyway, but whatever it is, it, you know, it, it passes. People can pass it. The black plague, a flu virus, polio, other things there come in. Is it fair that somebody got it? Is it fair that you can catch it or whatever it was, that you could get the black plague, that you could get other things that wiped out a mass of people? Well, that's not fair. But at the same time, humanity affects humanity. For the good or bad or whatever else, it happens. There is something there where sin, he says, there sin entered. And then the next thing you know that happened, Paul said, sin abounded. You find out it's everywhere. And then he tells us in verse 21 and he says, and as sin hath reigned unto death. Now sin enters, now sin is abounding, now sin is reigning. Now sin is absolutely, your entire being is taken over by it. Now its cancer is spread everywhere, and it dominates every aspect of your existence. It's raining. It's raining. How did this happen? How did something overtake me like this? And yet at the same time, that is exactly what has happened. You talk about, you talk about the Bible tells us in the latter days, that men will call evil good and good evil. Here, to look there at what occurs in the last days of this sin or the corruption and the failure. I mean, we have watched something that has absolutely permeated society. Sin is reigning, it's running governments, it's running city halls, it's running school districts. Now maybe in your state of Florida, you guys are a little bit behind us in California. We wanna be the leaders in any way you possibly can. You wanna find corruption, come to California. But at the same time across, sin is reigning. Sin is reigning, and it is stupidly reigning, wickedly reigning. I mean, we've got government leaders that don't even know what a woman is anymore. What's a woman? I don't know. You really don't know. I mean, that's before Congress. That's not a drunk in a back alley. I mean, you're an intelligent person. Now, are they a flat-out lying, or is sin reigning? Is sin reigning? The Bible says that in the last days, the Lord will send a strong delusion upon people that what they want to believe, they will believe it some as stupid and idiotic as it is they will be consumed with it and say i do believe that i do believe i don't know what a woman is anymore i don't know if a a man's a man or a woman's a woman and they have that that they have to determine that themselves don't put anything on their birth certificate they'll decide later on whether they're a boy or a girl and when they decide that we will help them become it in fact we will outlaw and call it a hate crime if you start calling them by their biological name that they had on a birth certificate and society is beginning to move towards this. And at the highest level, it's raining. We've got school districts there that will literally there in Cal, I don't think you have them here, but in California. And somebody there wants to go to their teacher and say, I want to be a, a transsexual. They can actually start medication on them and put them without even allowing the parents to know. We can do devastating things to a human body and our government will oversee it and provide for it. They will need medication for the entire rest of their life while we have ruined their body. And at the same time, you know, there's something there, it will be raining. Sin is raining in the world. And you read, sometimes it's so gradual that we don't even realize it. I'm old enough, I remember literally, literally. I mean, there's four children in our family, we all kids had cars. We all parked out on the street in, the, in front of the house when none of us locked our car at night. We didn't lock a door of a car. Who locks a door? We didn't lock our house. We didn't lock it. I remember one time we went on a vacation for a couple weeks and my dad couldn't find the key because he thought we should lock the house. We didn't lock our door at night when we went to bed. Nobody thought about it. Our doors were always open. And our neighbor's doors were open. We went in and out of each other's house. We all played together. Nobody locked You Don't even walk and say, so, "Hey, your door's locked. What's happened here?" <laughs> now, yeah, I tell you, when you left this morning, you locked your house, and when you got, you came to church and locked your car in the church parking lot. You, 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 locked, you, know, you beep, beep. Did it beep twice? Did we get it? okay? All right. You never know these church people. They can steal your bribe, you know, or whatever. You got cops out here. Some of you, you. Know, in fact, you look like are you a, uh, you packing? You know, but the. <laughs> Everywhere I go, there's not—I speak all over the. Everybody's got bodyguards. You thought these people were welcoming you outside and saying hi, how are you? Those big, heavy guys out there—you think they—they're all packing? They're looking at you, they're checking you up and down. You had a sign out. There's a sign out in front of your church: bags may be checked. All right, lady, what you got there? You got grenades? What do you got in there? Come on, let's see it. Up, open up. Everywhere you go, you get—you—you know—you you left your house. Did we set the alarm? Did we leave lights on. With the, you know the motion detectors working. There did we lock up? We, I, we never did that. It's, just, it's raining. You don't dare. You know, you, you ladies, you just don't go shopping with your bag behind you, hanging by. No, it's in front of you. You're looking down. Nobody, you know, you get, you leave your purse open behind you. They, they'll get your purse. It'll be gone in a moment. They'll Get your wallet. I mean, you have to watch everywhere you go. You go you know, when I was a kid, kids you walked at night, out in the dark, wherever it was. You boys, girls, anything, anywhere. No fear. Nothing there. I mean, there's places you don't, got, you can't go alone at night. You don't walk out in the dark some places. It rains. It is taken over. Fallen man has taken over. You know, the world, we lock everything. But when we realize it's not just simply raining corporately, universally, across the planet, you know, and wars and rumors of wars, and all of these other things, and the anarchy happening in every place in the world. But it's something that, in the process of it, before long, it, you know, it enters, and then it, and then it abounds, and then it reigns supreme. And it's not only universally, it's individually. It's individually, with personal sin. Because we're all, all that the world corporately is just, Billions of, of individuals, fallen atoms. And you know, with our own life, you know, how many here, I, of course, I don't know who I'm looking at, but how many of you, part of your own life, or your walk, or your testimony, or your struggles, one day you were young, you know, your, your buddy said, hey, let's go have a beer, all right. And my parents told me, well, all right, let's go have a beer. We'll get you. Next scene, hey, let's have another beer, let's have a couple beers. Hey, let's go hang out. Let's have a few more. And then, hey, now you're starting to, not only is something that's entering into your life, but now next thing you know, hey, we, we got to get together. Who's got the six-pack? Who's got some of this other stuff? And you look for an excuse to get together and have some beers and have a party. And then next, next thing you know, hey, now it's starting. It's not only entering. Now it's starting, you know, to abound. Now, now all of a sudden you're looking. You're, you're pacing yourself for when the next party is, when the next beer is, when the next drink is. And then the next one day, it, it governs you, it controls you, it rains. It completely dictates your behavior and where you're going and what you're doing. And some addiction, some problem, something there says, hey, hey, come on, have this little marijuana, have a little smoke, man, this looks cool. Get a little high, Get a little buzz. And then one thing, nothing, now all of a sudden, that's not hard enough, that's not good enough, now there's something else. And then one day you realize something entered and then it abounds. And then one day it rains, you're addicted. You can't get free of it. It's Something there that may be so, much, so easy, so much fun, just such a kick at the time. Oh man, this is so cool. And now it's destroying you. When you're young, somebody comes along and they get some pornography. Well, now of course it's everywhere. But I mean, on every phone, anywhere you go, but something there, hey, he wanted to do it, he said, whoa. Wow, that's, you know, I want to see it again. Where would you get that? Wait. Next thing you know, something, that it, it enters. And then once it gets in, now something there, there's something that was so beautiful, something so wonderful, so, so glorious when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden. They were naked and not ashamed. The pure love, a pure thing, be, mul- be, be fruitful, multiply, enjoy one another. Something that was to be so holy. Now God, you know, they're wanting to, Satan wants to rob it and make it wicked, and corrupt, and evil, and destructive. To where now all of a sudden, something so prized there in a home, in a marriage, in between two, and something glorious, now it's a shame. Now they're embarrassed about it. Now all of a sudden, the next thing you know, now this, I need this here, and where's another one? And it enters, and the next thing you know, it starts abounding. The next thing you know, you're finding, where can we watch it? Where can I see more of it? Where can, and then one day it rains. It controls your thought life, behavior. Pick your movies by it. Pick all sorts of activity, everything around, and something just got in, it entered, and there it is, that's Adam. That's what happens, that's what our, our, our life is like. But then the sad thing is, is that not, is it's not just now, okay, that happens, and maybe we, if we're honest, we realize that's us, that's human nature. That's Adam, we all had him. we are Adam, all of us. I've been a Christian over 50 years. I love the Lord, I I, I truly love the Lord. But I can also tell you, after all these years, all these years of knowing the Lord, loving the Lord, praying, loving the Bible, loving to share Christ, I am still as capable this very moment as I stand here as I was the day before I got saved. Every thought, every humanness, every behavior, it hasn't gone away. It is still there, it is still part, hopefully though it's something that entered and, uh, and and abounded and rained hopefully now it's not raining and Christ is reigning more and more and more within our life but it doesn't mean that the battle is not still there it is but when once something enters and then it abounds and then it rains in verse 12 Paul says their sin entered and death entered through sin now he said see see what got in See what happened, you know, the sin that we maybe liked, that we maybe enjoyed. It was so much fun initially. It was what everybody was doing, all my parties, all the, my buddies. Now all of a sudden you want to tell me, wait a minute, wait a minute, you think you enjoy this so much, you think it's so cool, you think it's a whatever. Number one, it's not only in it, it's not only abounding, it. it's not already raining, it is killing you. First, you know, he tells us there, the death spread upon all men. Verse fourteen, he says, "Death reigned." So death enters, and then death abounds, and now we have death reigning. There, with it, this comes. One has now obviously led, irrevocably, seemingly to the other. One of them there, you know that it, it, it all of us with Bible says we were all born in Adam. We all sinned in Adam. We all fell. In Adam. And the the direct result of that sin is death. Sin causes death. And here's something God told Adam there, you know, I love you. And here he put the tree, gave him paradise, gave him all of this unimaginable arena. But he says, here it all is, but I love you. And one of the things about love is you can't force it. He put Adam in the garden. He says, here I am, and here's my presence. I'll walk with you. I'll share my life and totally with you. But I will not force myself upon you. You can't force love and still have love. You have, love has to have a choice. If I was the only man on the planet and my wife said, I love you, well, so <laughs> and if you had a choice, well, I'm kind of hoping there is one, you know, or something. But if there's not, if, you know, then it's not love. Love is only effective when now somebody there has something to choose from. And now they realize, now I choose. Now, now, now there's billions of other choices. And she still says all these years, I love you. That's rather incredible. But here when, here, when God looks at man, he says, you must have a choice. I will not force myself upon you. But I do want you to know that, if you, that, that all that this tree is, is it's a door out of my house. It's a door out of my presence. It's a door out of my glory. It's a door out of all that I am. You see, all that this stuff that I have comes with me. And if you and if you choose to reject me, you choose all my stuff too, that will now be rejected by you. And because I am life, outside of there is no life or death. So you can take that door out if you choose to, but if you do, literally, in the Hebrew, dying, thou shalt surely die. You will die that very moment in time, of which Adam did. All died in Adam. But God graciously gave this this period of time between spiritual death and, and physical death, there were man, once he got out of the garden, would realize sin entered. And now it's, it's abounding, it's raining. Look at what's happened in our life. We're accusing each other, we're blaming each other. It's the woman thou gave us me. And, you know, and then next thing you know, they're kids, they're, they're fighting, one kills another. They're, what's going on? And they realize, what have we done? But God gave this way that he was gonna enter, which will look back, you can come back if you want. But I can't force you on it, it will be your choice because you wanna love me as I love you. When you can still have this other world, all of it if you want, it'll be your choice. And still that's how it is even today. God looks at us and he says you can have anything you want. Jesus is willing to compete with everything for our love. I'll compete with drugs, sex, party, houses, cars, trips, outfits, jewelry. I'll compete with everything that there is out there. And if you want any one of those other loves, you can have them. You can have any other idol, you can have any other, and I will compete with them. And if you look at them and say, I choose them. I like them more than you. I want them. You can have them. You can have them. But you also, the byproduct of that is, you'll die with them. And here, the Bible basically tells us that every one of us, we are all sinners. we had all abounded. It all reigned within us, and we all died. We all fell. And, and here is something here. We're all born on death row. We're all born dying. By the way, if you don't know that, you're dying. <laughs> God bless you. But, the, uh, <laughs> but you are. You know, it's something a lot of you don't even think about that. You're young. You're immortal. So you think. I mean, life is just starting for you. You're just young. There's a whole world out there. You're 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 not thinking about dying. You're thinking about living. You're thinking about falling in love. You know, having getting married, having you know, having some children, getting a house, cars, jobs, moving around, discovering the world. It's, oh, it's all out there. Every bit of it. You know, but it, 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 not, I've seen enough gray hairs here. You've been through all those phases. You've been that. Now you just realize you're dying. <laughs> and you just realize everything's starting to break down. For me, I mean, first of all, life, you're growing, you're progressing. But after about 40, literally, you know, your your cells don't begin to multiply. Right? Like it, they do, death starts happening within your whole cellular structure. And you're dying after 40, slowly. And and that's that's it. You know, I mean, I started dying a long time ago. I mean, very aware of it. In 1996, I had a stroke. And I at the time, I was still somewhat athletic. I was still in great shape, still did a lot of jogging, still a lot of exercise. I had a stroke. What, what, what do you mean a stroke? I had a stroke. I talked to him. I didn't have a stroke. He said he had a stroke. I lost the functional vision of my right eye. That was a bummer. I was using that eye. I liked it. <laughs> I needed it. You know, but here, all of a sudden, you start losing stuff. And then to what made it even worse was Jesus said, If your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. It's better for thee that one of thy my, my members should perish than the, the whole body should be cast into hell. I think my right eye must have been a naughty little fellow, whatever he was doing. <laughs> but here is something that you're dying. And then not long after that, next thing you know, I need a hip replacement. Tore myself up playing sports and things. Then they got to do the other hip. And then with time, I ended up losing a lung. You know, the, the long story with that. And then a few years ago, I had both knees replaced. And then uh, here I had my right shoulder a while back replaced. Then that didn't work. They had to tear it out and put in a new one. Another guy, they've got to get to the left when they haven't got to it. But before that, the back is worse off. And so I'm setting up thing to finally go to mess with my back. I'm dying right in front of you. I'm a mess. I'm an absolute mess. Fortunately, I still look awesome. <laughs> you know, Why is that so funny? But I mean, we, but when we realize that's sin, sin entered, it is abounding, and in me it is raining. There is no hope. I'm not going to grow a new hip, a new eye, you know, a new shoulder, a new back. It's all going down. But when we realize that, that it's entered and it's abounding. But here in the midst of all this terrible, tragic news, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> but here in the midst of all this, Paul tells us grace. Verse 15, for as by the offense, so also is the free gift. For through the offense of one, many be dead. Well, much more. The grace of God, the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. He looks there and he says, now what happened is, is that yes, sin entered. And yes, it abounded. And yes, it rains. And yes, it's devastating. But where sin abounds. He says, now grace entered. Grace entered. And here, Adam, well, he brought sin to death and it abounded and it reigned, but then Jesus came, something to inoculate it all. You know, and here, Adam comes along and he is a type, the Bible says, of him that was to come, he says in verse 14. And that is, is that Paul basically tells us here, he says, there are two great initiators in human history. Two people, profound different effects. Both of them were initiators of catastrophic size. One of them invented sin, the other invented salvation. Two heads of all human history, there's only two. There's only two heads, two leaders of all of human history, Adam and Jesus. That's it. There's all sorts of piddly little monarchs and kings and dictators running around in the mud pit down below. But above it all, there's two. There's Adam and there's Jesus. And we answer to one or the other. That's it. We choose one or the other. You know these two heads. One headed up the sin department, and he brought offense and death and disobedience. And through him, many were made sinners. The other heads up the righteousness department, and with him, the free gift, justification, and righteousness, as he tells us. And you choose. That's what we all have in all of this life. You know, and as terrible as sin is and death, and it's not hopeless. It's something as bleak as it is. Grace is even more. He tells us in verse 21, he says, In that sin hath reigned unto death, but even so might grace reign through the righteousness, you know, uh, 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 unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. In verse 20, he says, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It hyperabounded is the word. As terrible as grace is, as awesome, as catastrophic, grace hyperabounds. Somewhere, you know, songwriter, grace—you know, grace that is greater than all of our sin, all of it, everything within this Adamic nature. And here, hopefully, we both—we all know this. When you're sitting here and say, "Well, I maybe haven't heard quite the way you're saying it," but it's nothing new. I, i i believe exactly what you're saying. I believe that. Hopefully, everybody does. Because it's true, Uh, and I didn't invent that, Adam and Jesus invented it, we just looked at it, there it is. But at the same time, like I said earlier on, now if that's true, why am I struggling so much? Why am I battling here if heaven is out there, he's toying it like a carrot in front of me? And all of these things, and I want to be there, I want to go there, I want to awaken his likeness, I want a home in glory that outshines the sun. Why don't these struggles go on? And very simply, that though theologically your position before God is perfect, if you're a Christian right now, you are already as perfect as you ever will be because he presents you right now faultless, presents you perfectly. God sees you through the presentation in the eyes of Jesus that defends you and presents you as sinless. But yet at the same time, I still every day in a very real way, though I am eternally secure perhaps in Christ, and find that hope in him, I still have who I'm going to choose every day. I still have who it is that I want to They're both entered into me. Who do I want to abound within me? Who do I want there to have his will and to have his way? And this is where many of our struggles are. Some of you, and again, I don't know you, but I don't know your marriage. I don't know your home. I don't know how you grew up. I don't know your parents. I don't know anybody. But some of you, maybe you you grew up in a very abusive home. You were hurt. You were wounded. Or you had no home. Or else the people you did with, should have taken care of you, abused you. And did terrible things to you, unspeakable things to you, painful things. And they're still very, very real. They made a huge mark upon you. And you're angry and you're hostile. You hate them. In fact, if I knew their name and I mentioned their name to you, you would cringe. You would tighten up and say, I don't, ta- I don't mention that name. And yet that person may be dead. They may have died 20, 30 years ago, and yet you still have anger towards them. You're hostile. And where grace begins to abound within us and reign within us is when now I look and I forgive as as I've been forgiven. That you're able to look at that person that that affected you and hurt you and wounded you and say, Lord, I forgive them. They may be asking for it. They may have been long dead. But for my own hope and peace and mental health, I release them. I forgive them today, and I want to be done with it. I want to let it go. And I, you know, it may be there in your marriage, it may be in your home, that there was something, you grew up angry, you grew up treated wrong, you grew up, that's how your father, that's how they dealt with problems, that's how the family, they yelled, they screamed, they threw stuff, they blew their tempers. And now how do you, now your, your, your problem resolution is much the same, though you're a Christian. You get angry, you get uptight. Maybe some of you on the way to church, you gotta fight. In an argument, in a disagreement. Oh, you're fine now. You look great to me. But we all know the rules of church. We all know those a long time ago. You can fight all the way to church, but as soon as you cross over the parking lot line, everything changes. All right, we'll pick this up on the way home. Just shut up. You know, you get out of the, hey, bro. <laughs> God blow you too. Hallelujah. So glad to see you in church, man. This is wonderful. Oh, yeah, I see the little one. Oh, man, praise God. What would I do without her? You know, and uh, <laughs> And then the next thing you know, you get back in the car. You're no sooner driving home. Now, where were we? <laughs> you're mad, you're angry, you hold things, and here you wonder, why am I struggling? That's your choice. Not Adam's choice any longer. Not Jesus' choice. He settled the answer. The issue is, is what do you choose right now? Do you want that battle? Or do you want to end it? Do you want to forgive? You want to find yourself there. Some of you, I mean, you, you know, you, 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 you keep these accounts with one another. Oh, you're always this way. Oh, you'll never change. And we hold each other to failures that have gone on for years and years and years, and you're mad at each other, you're mad at your home. You don't even know why any longer it's gone on so long. It's raining. Oh, not eternally. You go to heaven. But you won't enjoy the trip till finally, the Lord puts it all away for all of us, finally. But in the process of it, when you're learning, God, I want grace to reign. I want grace, I want your love, how you treated me, how you love me, how you present me. I want to learn that for my mate, I want to learn that for my home, I want to learn that. And here, and, 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 and it's not easy. I'll tell you, it is not easy. One of the things I'm very grateful for is that many years ago, many, many, many years ago, my wife and I, we were told by a man Alan Redpath, you know, that one of the secrets of their marriage is that they had learned not to let the sun go down on the wrath. And so we decided we want that. You know, so many people, they just get angry. And they have a fight, but oh, I'll just go to bed. And then the next morning they wake up, I'll, I'll forget it. I don't even know we argued about, but I was mad at you. You did this and what. Oh, you go on and then the next day and then the next week, something else. And your sun keeps going down and goes down. And next thing you know, you're angry and you're angry. And, you, and the next thing you know, you just look at the person. I don't even know. I don't like you anymore. There's so many things. The Bible says a root of bitterness that gets into the soil. And next thing you know, you're just angry and you're bitter and you want to quit. I don't want you anymore. Why? I don't know why. Everything, and it's because you've kept a journal. You don't keep. You don't know how to keep short accounts. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. We determined that's how we're going to be. You know, we're going to we're going to do that. I was back I mean, when when we lived in San Jose some years ago, and we've been really really pretty good about that. That's worked for us really really well. It's been a great blessing. You know, in it. but it's something that, that here, one time, what, I don't know, we had an argument. We've never been yellers or screamers or throw furniture or anything, but we can certainly have the arguments. I mean, I, I certainly don't have a perfect marriage. I don't guarantee you that. I do want, but you know, my wife is coming along very well. But the, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, but in the process of it, I mean, we're human. And here, you know, one time we had something, whatever it was. So I just, I was so tight about something. I just picked up my pillow. I went downstairs. I'm laying on the couch. I'm going to sleep on the couch. I knew right. I knew shouldn't, but I, we, that, that wasn't a, but I did it anyway. I went down. Next thing I know, there's a little light coming in through the, the street light, And I realized Jean is standing there next to me. And I look up at her. And she says to me, so sweet. Sweet is tender. She said, uh. Don't let the sun go down on your ass. Just reminded me. I thought about it for a moment. I looked at her and I said, you know, I didn't get mad at you till the sun was already down. So I got till tomorrow night. (laughs) I honestly did that. (laughs) She turned around and went on upstairs. I laid there for a little while. All right, I went up. (laughs) But keep short accounts. Some of you, you got to have short accounts you got to forgive each other. you got to let the Lord forgive you. One of the things I was so terrible at, terrible at, you know, I was so young and we got married and so insecure, and I had to be right. I'm the head of the house. I knew that long before I had any idea what that meant or how to do it. But I'm doing a lot of dumb stuff. And Jean would call me out on it. I would do something. She'd say, why didn't you do that? And because there was no answer. It was not thought out. I'd say, well, what? Because I did it. I, it's, 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 it, why, what do you, leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, or I would find a way to support it or defend the undefendable. And we would, we'd have a problem. we do, you know, we, we'd get upset. And then I hear I'm a Christian. I love the Lord up with all my heart, every, but yet I'm looking at myself. I realize I'm wrong. I knew I was wrong. She was right. Absolutely. It was n- 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 total, obvious. But I, you know, I'd sit there, and, and here's how, I would, would come to her, and this was not just on one or two occasions. This was for a period of time in our marriage. When I realized how wrong I was, and could I come to her and say, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? I could not do it. I'm a Christian. I couldn't do it. And I would come to her, true story, I would come to her and say, you know, I've been thinking about our conversation. She said, yes, and I said, I want you to know something. I forgive you true story true i could, and she realized he can't do it the poor fellow can't do it but she was so graceful she realized it was code for a human effort to try and so she would smile and she said oh it's thank you so much she would be so good and patient Maybe some of you, you're so, it's so embedded, you're so stubborn, and you know you're wrong. Maybe when you're going home today, the best you can do is look to your wife or your husband and say, you know, I've been thinking about our conversation on the way here. I want you, I forgive you. Be patient with each other. Be graceful to each other. Thank you. I needed to know you forgave me. And that'll be code for, we're going to work on this, aren't we? We're going to start to fix this. We're gonna learn grace, we're gonna have grace Is gonna enter. Not eternally, that's done. It's gonna enter experientially. And it's gonna abound. And one day in our marriage, in our home, in our family, grace will reign. But we're starting somewhere. So wherever you're at today, you know, I wanna close now. I'm sure I'm over time, I don't know what clocks are. But as I close, maybe some of you today, you realize, you're, maybe, you, maybe you haven't received Christ. You need to do that. You need to receive his grace in the first place. But maybe others, you know, no, my problem's not. I, 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 I get it. I'm forgiven. I, my name's in the book of life. I'm his child. That's settled. He loves me. I love him. That's settled. I am forgiven. I know that. But grace is not reigning. You may be mad again at a dad that's been dead 20 years. You may be upset with a marriage that failed and a marriage partner that's on the other side of the country and you're mad at them for what they did to you. Or some, somebody around your life or some boss or some neighbor down the street or somebody there at the office that you work with around or somebody it's, and you're just, you mention their name and something, right? your hair rises on the back of your neck. But today you realize, Lord, I want grace to reign. And there's some area right now because none of us are perfect. I'm standing, and I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute if you want to. But I'm standing not just because I'm physically standing, but in my heart. But maybe there's an area today that you want grace to reign. It's not raining. Some person, some event, something there that the Lord would touch and say, Do you want grace to abound? Do you want my grace to abound? The grace that I have given to you. Do you want to let it come alive more in you? And if that's you, I'm going to pray for you. But I'd like to ask you to stand, if you would. If you want to stand, and don't just do it because anybody else or whatever, but if you realize, Lord, this was for me today. This is a word from heaven for me in some area of my life specifically. And I want it to affect whether today and then tomorrow, because I'll tell you, the problem will come back tomorrow. You will still be married to the same person tomorrow. You'll still have the same children tomorrow. You'll still go to work in the same place. You will still have all of these events around and it will be tested. But when you then say, Realize, Lord, I, I, I test it tomorrow. I'm, I'm up, I want to be up to it. And when my nature starts to rise and all of this comes back to defend, Lord, have your Holy Spirit whisper. I want grace to abound. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that's how you are towards us, that we are, we're on a journey, Lord. We realize it's all been settled. It's all been done on your side of the equation. You can do no more for us. There's absolutely nothing. When you said it is finished, your work was finished. All that was done for us to be conformed in your image and to have heaven one day is finished. But Lord, our walk and our journey is not finished. We are not conformed. We've got so many areas to grow in and grow in and grow in. And even in our last breath, we will not have arrived. But Lord, we wanna grow. We want more of your grace experiential in our life and in our homes. And Lord, you know why each person stands. It's none of my business, but it certainly is yours and theirs. And I pray, Lord, that whatever it is that you're touching them, that right now, that they could just say, we're sin abound, grace hyper abounds. I want it to overcome it. So, Lord, strengthen and bless and fill. And, Lord, as the test comes, may we be ones that you tap us on the shoulder and say, Lord, I need it again and again and again, all the way to my last breath. So Lord, we thank you for what you do eternally, but we ask that you would be doing more daily. By our permission, by our desire, you will not force yourself upon us. So help us and strengthen us, we're asking you, by our own will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.